Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Broadcasting from the Morton studio, I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show today. You can join us by calling us at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Joined now by my brother Brian, who's doing a little traveling today. Uh, always always love Farmer Friday. Brian, anything you want to talk about before we dive into some calls and questions? Um, that's a great question. I, w- <laughs> I would just say... I am. I, I have been talking to a lot of companies lately, manufacturers, about the supply chain because I know we're getting questions on this, of course, almost every day. I do feel a lot better for next year about things. And even for this year, I think there's more product out there than a lot of people realize. So I think we're going to be pretty good on most stuff. It's just you might not get your first choice. might have to be your second or third. But I think there's absolutely going to be a way to kill every weed or bug or disease that you need to. So I I, I think things are going to turn out fine. It's just the prices aren't the best. So I'm really hoping that next year will be better. But one of the companies I was talking to today was just telling me, well, when we look at next year, our manufacturing costs probably are not going down. Our labor cost is going up. Interest cost is going up. We still think logistics are going to be some concern. You know, when we start running through all the factors and it's like, ooh, yeah. I'm not super uh, optimistic that prices are going to come down soon, but I do think by the 2024 spring, so two years from now, I think we might even be back to normal in terms of price then. Uh, We'll just see. There are just so many factors that are going on around the world. Everything from the deal in Russia and Ukraine to what's happening in China. I mean, there's just... There, there, there's just a lot of things worldwide. But anyway, I guess I'm super excited overall for this 2022 crop year. I think it's going to be a great year. I think we have a lot of potential for good yield and good profitability. So you can either choose to focus on all the negative things happening or you can choose to focus on the positive. And I prefer to stay positive because I think we're going to have a great year. I do too, and it is Farmer Friday, so we want to hear from uh, from you. It's eight four four forty four AG PhD. It's head down to Texas. We got Reggie out with us right now. Reggie, how you doing? Oh, uh, doing great, Dan. It's uh, we've got corns planted up to about two leaves. The wheat's growing along. We just made our first fungicide application. Our pastures are green, greening up, and uh, this past week we had about three quarters of an inch of rain. So. Uh, for us here, we're we're off to a good start, and uh, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, sounds like life's pretty good. Okay, talk to me about that pasture. So it's starting to green up now, and everything's starting to grow. What's your next step out there? Are you waiting for weeds? Are you making nutrient applications? What what goes on in the pasture? Well, because of fertility prices and stuff this year we added our pasture ground to our manure application we sampled that uh and then uh, it's a little early on tissue testing obviously on that but our our step on fertility or plant nutrition has been this year instead of commercial what our prior to our first cutting will be we used uh chicken litter okay. and such and so uh, uh then our next step here within 
the next 10 days, we will definitely have our first shot of weed control on that. Uh, we'll probably put a little bit of nitrogen, a little bit of sulfur with that with that application. And uh, that will be our first shot. Probably that will get us to our first cutting, which will be the last week in May, first part of June. You, know, you mentioned fungicide on wheat. Is this something you guys always do, that this is a preventative type thing or a plant health boost, or is it something that you're responding to a disease issue? Uh, we're, we started this on, we tried it on a few acres last year, and we see it as plant health benefit. Uh, we were having, we were hearing a little bit about some rust to the south of us. Uh, we didn't see any as we scouted, had some feet in the fields and didn't see any. So we went ahead and made our application of fungicide, uh, put a little bit of gibberellic acid with that and, uh, and then waited about a week. And what we've just recently done is done leaf samples and really with our manure application there as well, plus in 33011 in our nutrition plan, that's a dry, uh, our, I should have looked my numbers up, but we're in optimal condition with NPK, sulfur, and even our micronutrients uh, look to be in, in good position with our wheat crop right now. So we'll wait uh, probably another 21 days, make our second uh, foliar application of a fungicide, and then come on with a late shot of, shot of nitrogen to try to maximize our yields. And this we tried this on some acres last year. Of course, we we rely on the Ag PhD fertilizer removal app because we had great yields last year. So that's how we planned our nutrient application. And because we tried some fungicide application split shotting, uh, we're going to try that on, on more of our acres this year. That's awesome. All right, Reggie, I got to give you a very selfish comment here, but I love hearing guys in Texas using fungicide in wheat and stopping disease before it gets going because we're often watching, okay, what's happening in Texas? And then it ends up in Oklahoma and then it ends up in Kansas. You see where I'm going here. This is a great thing for us guys up north. I do. And, uh, <laughs> we still got the last of our snow melting. Over, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but we're... We're beautiful day. We're 73 degrees, light winds, and, and bright sunshine. So I knew from listening to you guys, if if this was even getting into southern Nebraska, that Jim, Brian would certainly be pushing out the guys <laughs> planters in the field to get planted. So, Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, Reggie, thank you so much. Glad to hear things are going good down there. Hope it continues. I do, I do have one question for you if I have. Just a second, sure, okay? Sure, sure. Tell you what, we're, uh, we're running into a break right now. Just hang on, and uh, we'll get you right after this short break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We welcome your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact eMERGE planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Here at Farm Shop MFG, we keep hearing from folks who've tried our germinators. Yeah, I'm Wayne Bossman from down here by Park, South Dakota, and I was very impressed how they came up quicker, and they're just going to look like a better stand, and just greener, and just a little taller all, all year, as dry as it was. I think they really made a difference. Really looking forward to using them this year. See more of what our fans are saying and order today for spring delivery at farmshopmfg.com. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct NextGen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, we got an actor to reenact it. <clears throat> it's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment, investment, great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. It's that simple. Instinct NextGen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today taking your calls and agronomic questions on this Farmer Friday at 844-44-AG-PHD let's head back down to Texas get Reggie on with us sorry Reggie I got talking about my selfish interests in you controlling disease and making <laughs> less stuff fly uh, further north here and then I didn't get to your question yet so what, what can we do for you okay we've we went to a ryegrass management we've got resistant ryegrass we put out some dual early in the fall, and, and we've gotten good control winter long with that program. However, we had a, a breakthrough in our broadleaf program with hen bit. And so this is hen bit in front of corn. We tried a phenoxy and a dicamba combination on that. Not very effective. Have you guys, uh, do you have much hen bit problem, or what's been your uh, residual program that you see to be pretty strong for hen bit control in front of corn. Well, our hen bit normally gets started in the fall. Did it get a fall start, or is it early emerging spring stuff? Uh, it would have been what you would consider in your geography a fall. It's just we had to go so early so as we didn't get that flush of ryegrass with the when we got that controlled with the dual. But uh, uh, we thought we would get control of it small and. We had, you know, some other broadleafs that were carryover from summer that we were trying to take down with a less expensive phenoxy, but it just didn't take out the, didn't take out the hen bit. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, usually in corn, if we're after it in the spring, the challenge gets to be it's too cold to get great activity out of a, a dicamba type product. We would normally use okay. dicamba, or our favorite product would be Status. I wish it wasn't so darn expensive, but. Uh, that mm -hmm. that's the one that we like the best for taking that out. But um, I, I don't know. I guess I I would say this about the dual. I love dual for grass control. I personally feel it's the weakest of the group 15s on broadleaf control, just from my experience. And sure. so, okay. so I guess I'm happy you got the ryegrass though. That's, that's a tougher competitor than, in my opinion, the hen bit, mm -hmm. but, but you sure, sure want to get that out as quick as you can too. Uh, what about Roundup? You know, you could do Roundup for the hen bit also if it wasn't so darn expensive. Well, 
Well, that was the thing we were trying because we had the resistance. We were trying to take that out of our, our program uh, and maybe save it to an end crop where we have some panicum species and stuff. Okay. So we were trying to take it out of the mix sure. and all. And uh, we, at that particular time, uh, we had already begun to cool off. We did use Paraquat with the dual, but it didn't. I mean, it burnt the leaves and, and it just with the growth hormone herbicides plus that paraquat it just set it back and it's it's short and stumpy but it's still still alive still a competitor right now yeah sure sure yeah. you know the other thing is metribucin, is, is metribucin a potential for a residual pre to corn uh haven't really done that a lot of guys are using atrazine which would be in the same chemical family okay Mm-hmm. So that that would be something yeah. to think about. The other thing that would be something to think about going forward uh, that you could use is verdict. So you could have the sharpen in there for a burn down. Now that's not cheap either. Oh, okay. But that sharpen yep. has been pretty effective on a lot of those weed species. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You bet. Thanks a lot, Reggie. Good luck. Appreciate the call. Mm-hmm. You bet. Bye-bye. Thanks. Let's head over to Illinois. I got one. Got uh, Larry on with us right now. Larry, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Darren? Good. You know, Janelle handed me a sample and wrote your name on the top of this thing, and I'm guessing you wanted to talk about that. But I, I want to jump to you. This is one thing that's kind of cool, and not all soil samples show this, but you've got carbon to nitrogen ratio on there, and uh, that was pretty interesting. I'm just wondering what you're targeting and, and what you thought about this particular soil. Well, this was new for me. Uh, this was actually part of a program that I've been participating in that's a joint venture between Indiana University and Michigan State where they're studying regenerative ag. And so we've been participating, and they came out and did a soil test. And I've never had a soil test that gave me that carbon and nitrogen ratio. It's 11.72, and I thought we were shooting for 14 to 20, but uh, you're the expert. Tell me where I should be. <laughs> I don't know. We, we've never had samples that had that either. So, so that's kind of interesting. I would say this. Uh, you know, when I look at what, what's left in the soil for nitrate, uh, that, that number is really low. And when mm-hmm. I look at your organic matter, that number is very high. So I'm happy I, with I, the 5% organic matter. I'm not very happy that you got seven parts per million of nitrate. But, of course, this is probably a pre-season test where I haven't put any out there yet. Well, no, this was, all, this was last summer, in the middle of the summer. Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, it was... Uh, it hadn't been cover crop that fall. It was uh, going into bean ground, and I really wanted to test under uh, the field just you know 100 feet away. But uh, now they—that's where they said they were going to be. So I wasn't fighting with them. But uh, <laughs> sure, yeah, it was—it was pretty interesting. You know, they're studying regenerative ag and uh, interviewing people about you know what, how th- how they used to farm 50 years ago and and what how they're dealing with change and what they're doing. So it's an interesting study. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. I mean, I was looking at the soil test. I thought, oh, okay, I, I can see that if it was if it was my field, I'd be trying to get more potassium out there one way or another. And then boron is always the challenge. Uh, don't right. see for honestly, your test at zero point eight is higher than most that we see. We're trying to get over one if we can, and uh, we we've got some that's higher than that too. But uh, those are really the only two things. Otherwise, man, it looks like a pretty darn good soil. It looks like fun to farm. Yeah, well, we're we're in God's country, I guess. I mean, when I can see a CEC at twenty nine point six five, and uh, 
you know, the pH is only six, eight, and then the organic matter is over five. Why we're doing some good things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It looks like you got the magnesium kind of right about where you want it. And so I'm, I'm guessing, uh, it's, yeah, it'd be a nice thing to farm. We, we, I agree with you. Whenever we get that CEC that high and we get that heavy clay, uh, a lot of times that pH is up there and, and we got a lot of challenges. Yeah, and since we put the tile in five years ago, I, it's starting to even out a lot better, and yeah, it's good. Excellent, excellent. So, okay, what got you interested in, in getting into this program? Uh, well, I don't know. They just got my name out of some database and sent out a questionnaire, and it's a five-year program, and I think we're probably in the third year, but uh, I've done about seven hours of interviews with this gal to kind of get a perspective of what we've come from, from our history of the family farm, you know, back, you know, way back to 1854, but uh, more likely since the 30s and 40s when my grandfather started and my dad and then as I took over sort of thing. So it's, it's, uh, it's really kind of fun. I enjoy talking about it. You know, I was just talking to uh, another farmer this morning, and he had written a book just about the history of his family. And uh, I was making the comment to him, if you don't talk about it, nobody knows. And this next generation doesn't doesn't have all those stories to fall back on. So uh, this is kind of a neat yeah. program where, where you're taking a look back at, okay, how did those guys do things? And how's that compare? And, and what, what kind of shape are we leaving this grounding? Because to me, whatever you're doing, Larry, it looks like this is going pretty well because like like you said before, you got organic matter up, you got soil pH almost perfect, and most of the nutrient levels are just right on the money. Yeah, yeah, it's getting uh, getting to be a good thing. You know, the discouraging thing is, as we're trying to pursue a carbon sequestration program, everybody says, "Well, gee, you know, we can't give you credits unless you change things." Now, I'm working with a company that says, "Well, that's the old school. We think we're going to be able to do that." And even you know, my CSP program with uh, the uh, conservation service, you know, they gave out, I finished up my second five-year program in that, and uh, they gave me a list of things that would be available to me after that, and it's just like, man, I, the money's down, and the things that I can do are things that I'm not wanting to do quite yet, so uh, yeah, it's an interesting time. All right, so uh, so what's the crop mix this year? Are you guys staying the same with what you've been doing, or you you plant a little more of something compared to normal? No, we're just fifty fifty, and uh, it works pretty well that way. I mean, we're you know half corn and beans. Uh, take the corn off, put cereal rye in. Uh, beans we're stripping, and we're in our strips. We're putting uh, two gallons of fish fertilizer and stuff, but. Uh, we didn't really put the strips in last fall, just some technical difficulties. So we're going to be going out and putting some pre-nitrogen in our corn and put the fish in then. We're going to put 18 gallons of 28 with 2 gallons of wounded thiosulfate, 2 gallons of fish. With RTK, just putting it through our 2x2 two two where we're going to be planting hopefully in uh, two weeks after that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the same lines. About two weeks, I'd like to be rolling too. Hey, Larry, we got to run, but thanks for calling in. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. 
Learn more at caseih.com slash pharma. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on a Farmer Friday. And I was just sorting through uh, some Ag PhD mailbag questions that we'll get to in just a little bit. But for right now, let's jump back to the phone lines. Got Mark down in Iowa. Mark, how's it going? Going great, Darren. Well, two weeks away from planting, or are you guys a little further off than that? Oh, we're probably a little further off. We usually... Once it hits the 15th, we'll be looking towards which are the best fields, where they're ready to go, and start planting probably. All right, so the big question has been, what are acres going to do? And now that we hear soybean acres are going to be monstrous, does that change your thinking? Does it make you want to stick an extra field into corn? Uh, We've had that conversation probably three times already since yesterday (laughs) afternoon. So we're thinking that we used to be heavy on corn on corn. A few years ago, we rotated out. We've been about 50-50 since then, but we're thinking about possibly throwing some corn, continuous corn back in just to uh, 
take advantage of that. So yeah, we were gonna go heavy on corn already this year, and it makes me kind of say, "Oh man, now now some other guys are gonna jump on board too." But you know what? There's plenty out there. There's plenty of room and uh, plenty of market to to go out and grab. When you look at raising a little bit more corn, I know our big concern is always rootworm and then nitrogen. Uh, just that it, we know for in that corn and corn situation, those two can be limiting. How about you? Is there anything else that you think about that I'm missing? Well, for us, it, it's the same. Um, we're we're pretty lucky here because we do all of our strip tilling in the spring, so we're flexible on fertility and and being able to plant continuous corn if we make that switch late. Um, our suppliers have told us we can get the fertilizer that we need, so uh, we're looking at it. We've got pretty much always locked in with uh, smart stacks, and we do have capability to go run uh, dry rootworm control on our planters. So sure, we sure. have the flexibility. How about manure in the spring? Have you done any work like that? I have not. Um, I do not have any livestock. Uh, I wish I did. <laughs> I've got neighbors that I've spoken for that when they get to the point, I'd love to get some, but. We have not. Uh, I do have a neighbor. He started putting on manure here just last week, and uh, I was hoping to begin strip tilling here next week, but it depends on the rain and how much we're going to get. We've been awfully dry here, so we'll take the rain. Um, it's been unusual this spring how dry it has been. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I know my brother was all disappointed. He wanted it to stay dry just for a few more weeks so we could get rolling on planting. I'm like, no way. I'll take the moisture right now. I'd rather have that in the bank and not have to worry quite as much about that later. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy down here to where we've gone now here since the 1st of February with less. We've had about seven-tenths of moisture is all, and that's had a couple shots of snow and, and a couple little grizzly days and that's about it so that's unusual less than three inches since first of november so for us in this part of iowa that's pretty unusual yep so what do you what are you feeling about uh, market prices are you excited enough to say yeah we're going to hedge some stuff right now or are you kind of waiting to see how things shake out we've started pricing some new crop um, we've had some pretty good offers come out of our local ethanol market here for fall delivery and so we jumped on some of that um, still sitting on some old crop though, so I, I can't say we're totally out of there yet. So we're, we're working on some things moving forward, but we're taking advantage of some of these good fall prices right now to lock in some margin. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the other thing, just holding any grain now, it, it, it makes me a little bit nervous, Mark, because uh, it's one thing when you have $5 soybeans in the bin and $2 corn, but we aren't at those price levels anymore, so now I don't want to have any loss whatsoever. Do you run fans to try to warm things up, or what What do you do to make sure that grain stays in good shape? Yeah, it's uh, we do that. We'll start warming them up here now, start bringing them in, try to keep them usually about 10 degrees within the average median outside air. And uh, this is all corn that went in good shape. We do have some beans. They've all been cored and taken out. So I don't have that much worry about the stuff in the bin. The biggest thing is just the price itself. When sure. you look at what happened in the bean market in the last day, should have sold it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, hindsight. Uh, it's always such a good help <laughs> exactly. in marketing. Hey, Mark, great talking to you. Good luck here as you head towards spring. Hopefully that rain keeps coming timely and not in uh, crazy amounts as you're trying to get that crop in. Exactly. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Let's head down to Texas again. We've got Van on with us right now. Van, how's it going? Good. Hot and dry. Windy, windy. That sounds like Texas. Yeah. 
Yes. No, we uh, we we we've had our nine ten years of very good weather, range conditions, and we're going to go back to 2010 2011 scenario. It looks like. All right, so talk to me about that. Talk to me about growing grass and ranching and, and that kind of thing in western Texas when you do get dry. How how do you get by? Well, you're not really a cowboy as much as a grass manager. You, you, uh, you know, the, the range conditions dictate what you can. We speculate on a lot of grass steers. And we're shipping out next Friday, 250 head that we probably should have shipped two weeks ago. Uh, we have had no measurable. We had two tenths of an inch of rain uh, two nights ago with that terrible thunderstorm. And that was the first rain since October 10. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's dry. Yeah. And you just kind of like your grandparents and everybody say you plan on the last rain might be the last rain. <laughs> that's that's true. That's that's absolutely true. That's the last one you can count on. There's there's no guarantee anything's coming forward. And you know some of my neighbors uh, do some dryland farming, and that's you know when they hit a home run, it's way out of the park. But most of the time, they're lucky to. Just hang in there. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you have around? I, I guess I hear you got a lot of things other than cattle around the farm. Yeah, we diversified uh, about twenty years ago. We brought in and learned, and were some of the pioneers on the exotic industry in Texas. Right now, we have uh, twenty-eight mother Gimsbach antelope they're a big antelope from north africa we've got 48 head of senator horned orcs breeding and uh the little black buck and addicts and these are mostly all north african big antelope animals that have been uh brought into texas throughout over the years texas has a huge exotic industry we do very little hunting of them most of our business is live sale to other ranchers sure oh man and it's kind of a neat deal i mean some of these animals started out a pair from a zoo and now these herds are up to where we're supplying other ranchers well, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I would assume there's some challenges with that. Uh, the climate, though, works pretty good. I mean, that uh, North African hey, animal, uh, you got hot and dry, so yeah, it should be they, working, huh? Yeah, these guys never seen a water trough till they came to Texas. So they they very, very drought resilient. They, they may move. We have a pretty good-sized place, and they may move four or five miles a day so they don't just graze into the wind into the corner and nibble everything down in that corner if you got three days of the same wind they're excellent mothers part of the reason is this used to be sheep and goat country okay when wool and mohair was worth money and predators have pretty much eradicated 
that because we can't eradicate the predators. And these guys are proof. I mean, if they got three, four foot horns and weigh three <laughs> to five hundred pounds, yeah, coyote ain't gonna mess. With no, them. nobody, nobody wants to mess with that. That's for sure. Hey, man, uh, great catching up with you. Thanks for for the conversation today. Really appreciate. It. Good luck. Hopefully, you guys catch some rain Let before too long. When we're in the car during this time of the day, you bet. You bet. Well, uh, thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate the support. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. We welcome your calls at 844-44-AG-PHD. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Farmers across the country are raving about the Germinator closing system from Farm Shop MFG. Paul from New York says, My planter has never worked so well on soybeans. I'll definitely be using the Germinator wheels again and will be telling everyone I know. For more success stories from farmers everywhere and to order a set for your planter this spring, visit farmshopmfg.com. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use Fierce Herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday and our phone lines are open at 
44AGPHD, or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Head out to the great state of Pennsylvania. We got our friend Grant on, who I haven't run into for at least a couple of weeks since I saw him down at Commodity Classic. Grant, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, picked up a little rain here overnight, so soil moisture is getting more in line. So looking good. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we're we're a little cold here too, and I think that helps because we we're all starting to get so much spring fever that who knows what my brother might have done. He might have been out there in the field already, but nah, I don't think he would have. But he would have been thinking about it. I bet you if it would have been would have stayed warm. Yeah, yeah. The, the decisions are still being made in here about what to plant. Um, there's a lot of questions with the high inputs on corn whether they want to whether they want to go more corn or stick more beans in i know we're looking at some ground that we're going to stick stick beans back in a second year in a row we don't do that too often no and i was going to ask you about that so for the guys that do i mean out here white mold's a concern i I know you get white mold in pennsylvania too is there anything else that you're concerned about when it comes to soybeans back in soybean ground well there's those new little stalk bores that get in the crop nice um they're coming around. You had them out there, and uh, we're starting to deal with them in here in spots. So, uh, and I think you guys were talking about maybe Thymet in the row. Yeah, Thymet's labeled, but, man, do you remember handling that stuff back uh, a long time ago? I don't want to want to put any date on either of us here, but I remember that stuff way back when. And I know uh, our dad at that time, Brad and I were younger, and he's like, yeah, I don't want you guys messing around with that stuff. It's kind of dangerous. So I, I am a little concerned about that, just that we got to be smart. But I, I do have we do have some additional tools like smart boxes and those kinds of things to, to protect us with that. But uh, certainly something to think about. And then what about the nematodes? Do you have a real bad nematode issue in Pennsylvania and soybeans? In, only in, in small areas. And I don't think... I don't think our farmers in the area, and I, I want myself in that group, do a good enough job of, of uh, testing, you know, sending soil off and looking for them and, uh, and digging plants and looking for them. We just don't do a good enough job at that. So I guess we don't see a huge yield reduction, so we don't look close. You know, that's often the case. You, you yeah. wait, you got yield reduction and then you start to look then then you get excited that's right when it starts costing you some cash so okay speaking of costing cash feeding these crops and keeping them growing this year isn't going to be cheap now obviously we've got a pretty good potential gross income out there that that helps cover some of that but are there some things that you see as guys are talking about cutting some corners here and there that that guys should really rethink and perhaps invest those dollars that they were thinking about cutting in yeah, well, we're a livestock intense area, especially here in Southeast PA. So the, you know, the grain feeders, the dairymen, they're going to need, you know, tons of silage. They're going to need, you know, short feed to feed the livestock. So they're looking at, okay, if I don't grow the maximum crop, I'm going to have to buy that on the open market and, you know, to replace what I need or to have what I need. So guys, I don't think are thinking too much about cutting back a whole lot. I mean, how can you do that? I mean, you're going to have to replace it with some pretty expensive grain the way it's looking. So you better do all you can to grow all you can right on the farm. 
Yeah, I agree. It's it, the the price of trying to build that back up could be even worse. So it's hard to hard to get behind the eight ball on that. I know we've seen it on our farm too. And when our dad was nearing retirement, and the end was in sight uh, for his years that he was going to be paying for fertilizer. He thought maybe I'll just mine some of that out of the soil. But boy, that really caught him pretty. It looked good the first year, but after that, it caught him pretty quick. Yes, yes. And I had a couple questions for you. Sure, go ahead. Uh, we're working with a new, uh, a couple farms and this ground had, uh, gotten into a real high magnesium situation. It was dairy land, still is dairy land. And, uh, they were using a high, a coarse ground, high mag limestone product for their bedding in a freestall barn. And over the years, this got out into the alleyways, flushed into the manure system and, and irrigated or hauled out to the fields. And we got magnesium 30 to 40% base saturation. Oof. But yep. we have CECs 9 to 10. Okay. We're looking at trying to get rid of some of that magnesium. So we're, we're, we're going to go heavy on sulfur. And I wanted to cut, run some numbers past you. Do you think of, see if you think they're safe? Uh, 250 pounds of ammonium sulfate broadcast here at planting time. And we're going to include 250 to 300 pounds of elemental sulfur. Are we too hot on that ground with sulfur? Well, we we've done some of the same things here, but of course we get a lot heavier soils. So that that sounds aggressive. Uh, the two hundred fifty pounds of AMS, I I love that personally. It's it's just a question of how much you want to afford on the elemental sulfur. Um, I don't know. It's not going to turn that around overnight, but uh, I I would sure be trying those rates in. in uh, some acres and just see how, how big, uh, uh, how many acres are we talking about here that are, that are in this situation? Well, in that situation, there's probably 660 and maybe 120 to 180 that the calcium's just not high enough to even start that aggressive sulfur program yet. Sure. Sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's that I guess it'd be interesting to see the whole soil test, but it, like you say, if you have decent calcium levels where um, you aren't going to have decent calcium levels, though, I mean, if you got magnesium that's thirty to forty, you you can't possibly have more than fifty or so calcium. So yeah, it's going to be low. So at the same point, would would gypsum be a solution in some of that where you're adding calcium and putting out the the sulfur? Well, we do have. We do have a lot of the fields are over 60. They're not much over 60 oh. calcium. Okay. Okay. But, so, but sulfur, sulfur is 11 parts per million, and the zinc's below 10 to 1 on, on phosphorus, and the boron's low, and we've had a lot of tip tip back on the ears. I mean, an inch and a half, two inches tip back, nothing in it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, if, if the calcium is not that bad and you're thinking, well, if I can just get some of that mag out of there, uh, that's going to increase some of the other things in my soil, that, that might be a good shot. Might be a good thing to try. And and one other comment on you and Brian the other week, you're talking about with, with you put a treatment, a nitrogen management aid on nitrogen, can I cut the rates? Yep. And I always go back to the fact that the uh, extension service, and this was pretty widespread in the East, would always say if, if you're applying urea as your nitrogen source, you ought to bump the rates up 25%. This was in their guidelines to, to compensate for loss. If you're using uh, solution UAN, you know, 28, 30, 32%, 
increase the rate 15 to 20% to compensate for loss. So my answer would have been to Brian, okay, now you can more precisely put down the number of units you want. You don't have to over-apply to get what you actually want. That's a great comment. That's a great comment. And I think what Brian was getting at is if I'm going to spend $10 on this, then I'm going to have to cut $10 out of my fertilizer plan. But uh, you're right. There is some science behind this and a lot of years of data saying we are having loss when we're not protecting that end. So doing something. Uh, and even like you're talking about putting on sulfur, a lot of guys will say, oh, man, if I at least get some sulfur out there, that, that helps somewhat. Uh, and and reduces some of that loss anyway. So, yep, that's that's a good thought. No, thanks for listening and thanks for uh, for giving a little bit of feedback there. Brian's not in here today; he's traveling around. But uh, I will make sure he hears that. Okay, good, good. And the only <laughs> only other last thing I would tell you: we're seeing uh, more herbicide carryover in wheat and uh, small grain from the previous crop. We're struggling with uh, in areas, water hemp and palmer, amaranth. So guys are juicing up their herbicide programs, a little stronger stuff, a little longer live stuff. And it's it's showing some wheat fields this spring that have been top dressed with nitrogen. They're just not greening up quite as nice as you would think they would. And I'm pretty much attributing that to some herbicide carryover. Yeah, there's definitely some of that out there. Uh, I know from the HPPD family, from things like Flexstar and Callisto and others, and especially in, in areas where the fields aren't flat and square, and I know you face a lot of those conditions where uh, it is easy to overlap, no doubt about it. Hey, Grant, thanks. Great talking to you again, and good luck here heading into the spring. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Do you have a history of white mold or SDS in your bean fields? While you can never predict when disease will occur, using the right seed treatments can reduce your risk of yield loss when it does. Did you know adding heads up to your seed treatment package brings a proven mode of action that primes your beans so they're ready to fight off disease all season long? Ask your seed dealer to apply heads up for protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome this season. Learn more at headsupst.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. More farmers are discovering the power of the germinator. Greg from Iowa says, This year I was very impressed with the germinator's performance in a variety of soils. More germinator success stories at FarmShopMFG.com. 
Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Man, it's my favorite day of the week. I well, I like Fridays anyway, but I really love Farmer Friday. Just get to talk to so many folks, and sometimes I get a little chatty, so I apologize if I'm holding people up. Like Keith, who's been waiting very patiently on the line uh, from Kansas. Keith, thank you so much for calling in. Thanks for waiting for us too. Ah, uh, it's okay. So, what's happening down in Kansas? You guys out in the fields yet? No, we're, I'm in eastern Kansas, and uh, I have three opposite what my western brethren have. We're so wet. We had four inches of rain Tuesday night. Wow. Wow. Yep, yep. Had a friend uh, come through here uh, just the other day, and he was down in, in Kansas City, and he said, yep, we got some pretty good rain down there. Yeah, yeah it went from where about where was that east. Kept going east. <laughs> I don't know how far it went, but it went a long ways. So, okay, when you can get in the field, what, what happens next? What have you got to do? What's your first job on the list? Oh, probably I'm going to either start with corn or I'm going to intercede some beans between some twin row triticale we seeded. Interesting. And that, yeah, that decision will be made about the time it needs to happen because we, we're trying to decide – we have a, a bunch of fields that we want to take the triticale to either harvest or graze it. And, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, do one beats. of those things. Mm. Yeah. Now, have you guys done the interceding before? Yes, I've done it quite a few times. I, many years ago, and I'm talking 20, we did a lot of it. Did Milo? I had pretty good luck with Milo. Corn, um, not so much. Uh, soybeans, some good luck, and then we just kind of quit. You know, that weather changed and it didn't work. And then, oh, I was uh, saw there's and there's a bunch of guys doing it. One comes to mind, Jason Mock, Indiana does it. There's uh, some people up north in Iowa that are doing it. Lauren yep. Steinlog is another fellow, you know, that there's, there's, I'm not the only one. Right, right. And people have been doing this. And so we, last year we did it. Everything looked absolutely 100% like we was going to hit a home run. And 45 days later, after raining for 45 days, the tree oh, fell goodness. down under the soybeans. Yep. Beans made about 30. Uh, so it, 
So, you know, it looks good. Like, well, it can't do that every year. No, no. <laughs> no, you're right about that. Well, it's it's tough. That's why I always say don't count your chickens before they're hatched. But uh, I was just curious how much experience you had in the past. So I know, obviously, you've had some good luck with it. So it would be interesting to see how that works out this year. And, you know, you mentioned starting with corn, and we're kind of we're kind of in that boat, too. We're going to start with corn because that's our first crop that crop insurance is going to cover. How about where you got cover crop? Do you let cover crop stay green into the spring, or do you kill stuff off in the fall? I always leave it. Matter of fact, last year we did did our normal killing it. Uh, you know, the day you planted or the day after. Sure. And uh, we've learned over the years that for where we live, everybody's different. But, right. And uh, the uh, well, being I'm wet sorry. coming in, being wet coming into this spring, that sure looks like a good move. That cover crop could pull some of that excess moisture out. It should be in there faster. Now that's our well. Be honest with you. That's why we started cover crops back in I think it was '02. Was to do what you just said yep. to dry out the soil wood so we could get going quicker, and it's worked and worked and worked great. Yeah, that's what's so fun, too, about this cover crop discussion. I know we had one show on that, just that specific topic this week, is there's so many different ways to use them. And, you know, here I am in dry country, and I'm worried about my soil blowing away. And, you know, where you've got a situation, you've got so much water, you just need something out there to suck some of the excess up so you can get a crop in eventually here. So yeah, I, I love it. True. Yeah, and then we're seeing the biological aspects later down the road, um, one of and we weren't looking for this when we started, but a lot sure. of people see this. But the, the weed control is phenomenal in those weeds, and we've been able to cut back on number of springs and how much herbicide you have used overall. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of pros and cons there, and and those are definitely some of the great things for for us. We're always worried about if we don't terminate in the fall, which we aren't. We haven't been huge cover crop guys, so don't get me wrong. I'm not speaking from 20 years experience like you are, but mm -hmm. we're just always worried if we don't kill it off in the fall that we're going to get dry and then it's going to suck excess moisture because other guys in our state have seen that at times. And and again, even here, there are people that do it one way and do it a different way, and they can both be successful. So yeah, always a learning process farming right i i got some friends oh look western kansas and i'm gonna say you know near the colorado nebraska border right in that circle and there are people out there just don't have any luck and then i got a buddy out there that he manages it he lets it grow you know through into the spring and if he starts getting dry he terminates it and at least he says it slows down the dust blowing yeah. <laughs> well, that's Western Kansas for you. Well, hey, Keith, uh, right. great talking to you today. Good luck here. Hopefully things dry out for you soon so you can get going. And if you got any excess moisture, I wish you could send it north. But if you could, please do. You know I would. All right. Thanks, Keith. Hey, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. You bet. Uh, let's head over to North Dakota. We got Kelly with us right now with a couple of questions on Husky uh, and a suggestion for us, Ag PhD for kids. Kelly, do you want to head that project up? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a father of young kids, and uh, I uh, I see Lester Holt on NBC Nightly News having a kids edition, and I just couldn't help but think how you and your brother uh, Ryan could do a something like that. I don't know what RFD has for a Saturday morning uh, kids' cartoons, but the uh, cartoons for kids are uh, 
somewhat inadequate these days, and I think you guys could add a lot to, to that. Well, I tell you what, it would be an awesome thing. We we've definitely thought about that over the years. It's just, man, we we just don't know if we've got time to do it justice cuz <laughs> it's it would be fantastic. I agree with you and hopefully if it's not us, hopefully somebody does that because we we need to get more young people staying in agriculture, staying in our small towns and our rural areas. That'll be a big deal. Um, okay, let me jump into the husky thing cuz we've only got a few minutes left of the show today. Uh, what do you what are you curious about with husky? Right. So the other day I saw uh, one of your recent programs, and you were talking about Bayer's product, Husky FX. F as in Fox X, like yep. X-ray. Yep. And you were talking about how there was a, a in this mix that there is a product that is replacing uh, the 2,4-D that is uh, safer on wheat. And I was comparing the labels, and on our farm, uh, Husky Complete has been a, a fine product. Uh, granted, this last year we had drought, um, but the product worked, and we have issues with uh, escapees as kochia and Russian thistle. So I was wondering about uh, if we were using Husky Complete, if we could add in that safener for that group two, um, or would you do it the other way around? Add uh, Husky FX, and then add your ALS herbicide because uh, when Evers first came out, that was a game changer on our farm. Sure, sure. Yeah, the Husky FX for for anybody listening that that isn't familiar with wheat, uh, Husky FX is Husky, which is Bucktril or Bromoxynil plus an HPPD chemistry called Pyrosulfatol, and then in the Husky FX they also add Starane Ultra. Uh, in the Husky Complete, it's just Husky plus Varro, which is an ALS-type uh, grass killer. So you certainly could do Husky FX and add Varro to it and, and kind of get uh, all of those things in, in a complete product if you wanted to. Okay. Is, is uh, Varro also a Bayer uh, product? Yes. Okay. Hey, well, thanks so much. You guys have done so much for raising the bar on the knowledge uh, management in agriculture. And uh, I'm just uh, so thankful to have you guys out there. And, and please consider um, uh, doing a kids uh, edition, egg PhD. I think that'd be just awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, Kelly. Really appreciate all the kind words. Uh, and thanks for bringing up your kids in, in agriculture, too. Hopefully you're getting them super involved so, so they're ready to take things over, probably before you're ready to let it go. You know it. <laughs> yeah, my dad, speak about that. My dad always talked about that, too, that he wanted to make sure that that he passed things on to us, at least decision-making authority, at an early age. That way he still had time and energy to step back in if we started making some mistakes. And, boy, that was a great idea that he had, and I'm so thankful that he gave us that opportunity at an early age. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.